ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the very first edition of Work With Purpose, a podcast about the Australian public service. Two weeks ago, I was on my way to work when I struck on the idea to make a podcast about the Australian public service. The day before, the Australian Prime Minister had stood in the courtyard at Parliament House to talk about COVID-19, and he announced that anyone coming to Australia would face 14 days in self-isolation. Foreign cruise ships were banned from docking, and it was the first suggestion, or at least the first suggestion that had registered with me, that we were looking at at least six months before there was any real resolution to this crisis. Certainly that's when it hit home for me, and it was no longer a problem that was a long way away or somebody else's problem. It was a, it was a problem, it was a big problem, and it was heading into my life and the lives of everyone who lives here in Australia and indeed around the world. So anyway, on that walk to work, I was, as I like to do, listening to a podcast from the United States called Gov Matters. It's a great podcast and it features senior figures in the US public service who explain their programs, their policies, their services and their regulations. It's good, solid, straightforward information communicated respectfully in a way that helps the audience to understand. Anyway, I thought to myself, why don't we do the same thing here in Australia? Given the absolutely fundamental and critical role the Australian government will play in the economy, in our communities and indeed in all of our lives in the weeks months and years ahead, I thought, why not? That sort of podcast has got great potential and will be really useful for the Australian people. Anyway, without a word of a lie, when I got to my desk, there was a message from my friend and colleague, Drew Baker, uh, who is the CEO of IPA ACT, which is the Institute of Public Administration in Australia. And Drew had said, look, I think IPA needs to do more content. And we at Content Group are IPA's digital content partner. Anyway, I told him about the podcast idea and he responded very positively and very quickly. And here we are, two weeks later, with a new podcast. So who says that the APS can't move fast? Actually, there was a great quote from the Australian Health Minister last Sunday when announcing the further health policy measures, he said that what would previously have taken 10 years had taken 10 days. And this notion of speed and decision-making in a time of crisis will be one of the topics that I will discuss with our guests today. But before we get into the discussion, I do want to say a big thanks to a number of people who were very supportive of Work With Purpose from day one. Reg Chamberlain in the Prime Minister's office, when I reached out to him, he said, great idea, go for it. Dana Robertson at the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, Trish Johnson at the Communications Advice Branch over at Finance, and Naomi Bokola and Richard Bartlett from the Australian Public Service Commission. Thanks to all of you. These things don't happen without cooperation and people supporting good ideas. And from the outside of government, Jane Madden, a former senior and very respected bureaucrat, jumped straight in to lend a hand. So to you, Jane, thank you for your encouragement and support. So, Work With Purpose, a podcast about the Australian public service. So as a country and as a global community, we are entering completely and totally uncharted waters. No one knows what's ahead, and in many ways it's quite futile to speculate. But what we do know is that the Australian public service will be front and centre in delivering the Australian government's agenda in support of the Australian people and the Australian economy. They will be the people who will make it happen. 
And in many ways, the scope and the scale of that involvement is simply massive. I was talking to a colleague yesterday who's been moved into a task force who will be working on plans to restore the airline industry. And if you, you just think about how big this is across the whole of the Australian economy, the whole of the Australian community, there will be change, massive and unprecedented change. So because of that, I believe that it's critically important that we as citizens have a much better understanding of how the APS works, how it makes decisions and how it gets things done and what's happening, particularly now as we deal with this unprecedented fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic. As a general observation, I would say that the vast bulk of the Australian public have little to no understanding of the work of the APS beyond the sort of dopey cliches of cardigan-wearing, do-nothings. But to be fair, I don't think the APS has done a particularly good job in explaining what it does in order to take on these big challenges and to sort of negate some of those stereotypes. Now, if you're looking for a podcast where people are interrupted, they're challenged at every point and they're not allowed to finish sentences, I'm sorry, this isn't for you. These discussions will be me asking what I think are quite simple and basic questions and the tone will be polite, it will be respectful, it will be civil, it will be constructi uh, constructive, so consider yourself warned. Today, we're certainly kicking off work with purpose with a bang. Uh, joining me in Studio 19, uh, you get the joke, that was a, a gag from our technical producer, Ben Curry, earlier today. Um, at, it has to be said that, you know, and we are sitting at a, at a very appropriate social distance, are two of Australia's most senior and influential figures in the Australian public service. Peter Woolcott, AO, started his role as Australian Public Service Commissioner on the 9th of August 2018. And Peter, that's my birthday. Uh, Peter has a distinguished career in the Australian Public Service, serving in a variety of senior diplomatic positions around the world. He served as Australia's High Commissioner to New Zealand uh, between 2016-17, Ambassador for the Environment, 14-16, Permanent Representative to the UN in Geneva, and Ambassador for Disarmament from 2010 to 2014, Ambassador for People Smuggling Issues in 2009, and Ambassador to Italy in 2004 to 2007. He has also been a Chief of Staff to the Australian Prime Minister, or former Prime Minister. Peter was appointed an Officer in the Order of Australia in 2017 for his distinguished service to public administration in the field of international relations and as a lead negotiator in the non-proliferation and arms controls fields. Peter, welcome to Work With Purpose. Thank you, David. We're also, we're also joined by Catherine Jones, PSM, who was appointed Deputy Secretary of Business Enabling Services at the Department of Finance in October 2017. Catherine leads corporate and ICT services in the department where her responsibilities are for the provision of facilities and online services for ministers, members of parliament and across government, as well as business services for government departments through the Service Delivery Office. Catherine is also the chair of the whole of government chief operating officer committee that was set up to help deliver the Australian Government's reform of the public service as part of the Secretary's Board, but we'll certainly be talking to Catherine about that particular committee. Prior to joining Finance, Catherine was the Deputy Secretary in the Attorney-General's Department, where she led the National Security and Emergency Management Group, and in 2017, Catherine received a Public Service Medal for her outstanding contribution in this role. 
Before joining the public service in 1999, Catherine spent 10 years as a publisher at McGraw-Hill. Catherine, welcome to Work With Purpose. Thank you very much. Now, why don't we start there? A publisher at um, McGraw-Hill, what was your role there? Um, I worked in academic publishing, and so my job was to uh, commission authors uh, to write academic uh, books for the university uh, and secondary school market in Australia. So, um, and believe it or not, academic authors are just like the cliché authors in the movies. They're neurotic <laughs> and they call you in the middle of the night and they're very demanding. So um, it was a good lesson early on in my career about managing challenging stakeholders. So in terms of that, that journey from publishing into the public service, how did that take place? Did you, you see a job you liked and thought... I might apply for that. I have told this story previously. I think I probably had a slight early uh, midlife crisis and I loved my job in publishing. It was absolutely fantastic, a lot of fun. But uh, talking about working with purpose, I actually felt that it wasn't going to be the job where I was going to make a difference. So... Uh, I made a strange decision at that point. I decided to go off and do a law degree, um, which, if you're looking to make a purpose, is not always uh, serve purpose with purpose. It's perhaps not always the um, decision people would take. But I did that. Uh, I knew pretty quickly doing that degree that I didn't want to practice law. I wanted to work in government, uh, and I was just very lucky. I got the opportunity to work in the Attorney General's department and had a fantastic career working across a range of areas there. Mm. What do you like about working in the public service? I like working with people who actually do have a sense of mission and contributing, and I think that permeates uh, every part of the service that I've worked in, um, that sense of really being able to help Australians, uh, help deliver on government priorities, and um, I've been fortunate to work in areas where people have been really imbued with that sense of purpose. Mm. And, and Peter, for you, um, obviously a famous name, Woolcott, um, your father, a, a famous uh, Australian and a very substantial figure uh, in Australian history, really, in many ways. Um, is it, was it a bit like for you going into the family business when you decided that you would be, uh, you know, going into the, the, the public service? Well, uh, I tried not to, actually. I, I, jo I, jo I went to study at a law school to the Sydney Bar and spent a number of years as a barrister doing a lot of legal aid work, a lot of trial work. But in the end, I I'd always been... Sort of, I'd, grown, I'd grown up in a diplomatic family and was sort of imbued with, a set, with real interest in international affairs and a sense of public duty. And so, in, in the end, it was an easy switch for me to decide to join the public service which is what I did. So uh, to both of you, and probably perhaps to, for, to you, Peter, um, first, this is just an incredible uh, time um, for the public service and, and to do things. But I am interested in, in, in you as people. And, you know, how has this affected you and, and your family? You, you know, you, you have a family, but you're the head of the Australian Public Service Commission. How, what sort of impacts have there been for you? Yeah, well, you mentioned mentioned my father. In fact, one of the things I've had to do is uh, is drive down to Sydney, pick him up about ten days ago, and bring him down to bring him down to Canberra to live with us. I mean, he's 92, lives by himself. All his coffee shops and bars and restaurants have closed around him, and he can't cook, can't do laundry. And I thought, hang on, I can't just leave him there. Um, so he's uh, he's living with me, as is my son and his girlfriend and her guinea pigs and his my son's cat and my daughter's joined us from Melbourne. So it's a, it's a menagerie at the moment. So 
Working from home, which I'm trying to do every now and again, is a challenge, but it's a challenge for a lot of people, I yeah, reckon. Indeed it is. What about for you? I think the novelty is going to wear off very quickly for that. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I, I was talking to a, a colleague today who was at home trying to do a job with two toddlers and they were both climbing on top of her and it's, it's, I think it's going to be a real challenge as people try to settle there. What about for you, Catherine? Has it been, have you found the, the disruption, the, the challenge, the, the personal side of, of the impact of this, given that you do have such a busy job? I think I think everyone has at all levels. I, I don't have quite the um, <laughs> the, the noisy, complicated uh, household that uh, Peter is juggling at the moment. But um, I, I have been reflecting on the fact that uh, as public servants, quite often we deal with you know crisis, we deal with emergency, we deal with really big delivery responsibilities. But we're doing things for other people, and we're in our normal mode right now we're dealing with something where every single person in Australia is affected, including every single one of us. Uh, we're living differently. Uh, we're engaging with our families differently. Um, we're working remotely, many of us. Um, and we're struggling with the, the isolation, with the fear, with the stress. Uh, and uh, in the public service, uh, um, given huge responsibilities to deliver. So it's an incredibly interesting time, I think, for everyone, uh, where you have to deliver but also manage the personal experience of going through this with everyone else. In com without any sort of experience about how to actually do anything about it. Everyone's making it up as we go. That's right. That's right. And uh, I, I think, you know, we've been, you know, Peter and I have been in, in a lot of conversations and everyone has across government. And uh, it's never been a, a time where we have to combine some of the key aspects of leadership, which is, yes, you've got to get support people to deliver, but you've got to consciously be thinking about uh, supporting your staff, creating the right environment, uh, making sure that the cultural aspects of leadership are still being uh, focused on in a very, very different environment. So um, it's, it's incredibly um, different and I think what, this is why I think this podcast is a great idea because I think talking about it, sharing the experience is really, really important at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right. There's just no, we're not working from a playbook. I mean, yes, we've had some big crises like the GFC, but this is on a scale that none of us who are working in the public service now have ever dealt with in terms of its, uh, its implications in, in regard to people's health, uh, people's welfare, uh, the economic implications, the, the national security implications. Uh, it is, uh, and people are working extraordinarily hard at every level of, uh, of the public service. But it is, as I say, we're feeling our way a bit, I've got to say, because it, it is something that none of us have ever had to do on this scale. And I think the other thing that people are realising as well is this is not going to be over any time soon. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned that before, and I do think that's a, it's a hard concept to even think about just how long it may in fact take. But if I might, Peter, um, to you, as I said in my introduction, I think it was probably two weeks ago, for me anyway, that I just sort of thought, oh, OK, I really do have to pay attention now. But how long, you know, has the public service been gearing up for this? How long have you been getting ready? And what's been happening behind the scenes as the government has been watching and, you know, trying to gather and understand, you know, the, the complexity of what it was heading our way? Well, it wasn't so long ago we were all very much focused on the bushfire crisis. Yeah. Um, we had, in obviously, at the beginning of the year and maybe for some a little bit before that, we were seeing what was happening in China 
uh, that there was this issue with uh, coronavirus, a new coronavirus. It turned out to be COVID-19. And I would say probably about the middle of January is when government really started to seize up and think, hang on, um, we've, got to, we've got to focus on this. This, this, this. this could be potentially a very nasty thing. So if I could just, just stop you there again, just for this understanding of when you say the government's looking at it, where, where are you getting that sort of information from? How does that come to you in your senior positions that perhaps midway through January, everyone, um, we better start paying attention to this? Where, where, where does that advice come from? Well, it, it comes from it, it comes from within the system. It comes from within the, from the health department. It comes from uh, the intelligence agencies. It comes from foreign affairs. It comes from home affairs. It comes from a range of sources. And you have secretaries board, which is at the apex of, of the public service and the management of, of the service. And, and already, you're starting to have conversations there about the need to gear up and deal with this. I mean, in terms of the Australian Public Service Commission, which is my agency. Uh, we actually put out our first um, guidelines on this on the 30th of January. Right. So we've actually been thinking about this for a while. Okay. And so then, Catherine, from your point of view, where, when did you sort of start to get engaged in this? Was it about the same time that... Because um, I do want to talk about this uh, Chief Operating of, uh, Officers Committee in, in, in a moment. But, um, yeah, in your role uh, at the Department of Finance at a de Deputy Secretary level, is it a similar sort of thing that you were seeing that advice and starting to talk about it? Well, I think very much the structure that Peter referred to. So um, through, I mean, obviously government uh, through its uh, cabinet and other committees uh, is provided with information to start considering what are the, what are the steps that we need to take to prepare uh, and, and then um, get through a, a situation like this. Uh, but th it's through the secretary's board that you get the key messaging that comes out to all departments. Uh, and um, that, that sort of filters through to the, the operational level where uh, I'm sort of operating and focusing in terms of the Department of Finance in particular. OK. So just, in, again, just for, for clarity, for people to understand. So the, the Secretary's Board, Peter, I might... You, you sit on the Secretary's Board? Yeah. So just explain, you know, how often does it meet? Uh, who's in charge of the Secretary's Board? Uh, how does it run its business? Well, the Secretary's Board consists of all the 14 um, secretaries, uh, plus myself and also the, uh, the head of the Office of National Intelligence. Um, so there's 16 of us. Uh, Phil Gaitchens, the head of Prime Minister and Cabinet, is the chair of, of, of the Secretary's Board. OK. And how often do you meet? Well, uh, traditionally it would meet every, every month, but what you're seeing now is a rhythm uh, where it's probably meeting um, three three times a week, um, at least by telephone hookup. Mm. And at the moment, typically, how long are those meetings taking place? And are the quick response like you have to stand things yeah. up very quickly? It, it, it depends on the issues and what needs to be discussed. But obviously, you're dealing with a whole lot of very busy people, and uh, we try to keep them uh, these regular hookups to about an hour. Okay. And in terms of the way the contribution is made, um, do different parts of, uh, you know, different uh, secretaries are bringing, say, the health secretary is coming with an update, uh, defence secretary coming with an update, is that generally the way it works? It starts off normally with, a, with uh, Philip Gaitchen's the chair, giving a rundown on, on what's happened in the cabinet processes, whether it be the, uh, the, the, um, the Commonwealth cabinet or the, the new national cabinet. 
uh, and then secretaries will just put in uh, their own comments in relation to issues that they're working on or things that they're worried about and things that we need to address. Mm. So in terms of that... So they're very, very practically focused conversation. OK. But in terms of that, that's an interesting point, though, that national cabinet. How, you know, that's another layer of governance, obviously, that's been put in place. You know, how was that decided that that would be uh, an effective way of, of dealing with this? Uh, it was obviously driven by the Prime Minister and uh, I think it's a remarkable, a remarkable initiative which is clearly working really well and in terms of being able to make the Cornwall's job in, in, in the way it deals with the states, uh, this has got to be a very joined up operation. It's got to be joined up within the Commonwealth, but then it's got to be joined up between the Commonwealth and the states. And I have to say the national cabinet process has been, I think, an extraordinarily successful initiative mm -hmm. and obviously driven by the Prime Minister. So in, in terms of that, though, the Secretary's Board, does, does the governance extend then to connections up to Secretary's Boards if they exist in the various states and territories? Does it join up that way as well? Uh, you have your connection between all the various... The health ministers have their connections, um, so they all work their systems. Um, and also, secretaries would have their own individual relationships with key secretaries in the state system as well. But no, there's no, there's no, no, formal, um, there's no formal mechanism or structure so that the Commonwealth Secretaries Board discusses with, say, the New South Wales yeah. uh, Secretaries Committee or whatever they call that. Yeah. It's done much more on an individual and ad hoc basis as needed. Okay. And Catherine, you're the, the chair of the Chief Operating Officers Committee, which is a subcommittee of the Secretary's Board. Can you explain to us uh, what it is and, and how it works and what sort of work you're involved in? Um, it's a very recent phenomenon. It's, um, uh, you... But she's doing an amazing job. Let me, say, <laughs> let me interrupt and say that. Uh, it's pretty extraordinary. Sometimes uh, mechanisms are created just at the right time and uh, it... it, it Really? Oh, so, it, so it was stood up before this yes. was in place? Oh, yeah. Okay, right. All right. Just, just before. Uh, it, it really was part of the uh, government's response uh, to the APS review uh, and an initiative of the Secretary's Board uh, that wanted to continue to drive this one APS approach to operating and uh, looking at, at opportunities to... Um, move away from being very siloed, being very, you know, separate in the way that we ran our organisations and the way that we worked across government. Um, so the Secretary's Board established the, the Chief Operating Officers Committee uh, and uh, largely we were... The intention was, and it still is uh, in the longer term, that we be focused on working collaboratively to implement the operational uh, aspects of the APS reform uh, that was uh, the review and the response to that, uh, the 30 review and the government response. Um, we had one meeting that was largely <laughs> focused on reform. And at the that end of that... That went well, I hope. That went well. <laughs> that went really well. Uh, and we were very enthusiastic and we identified all these things that we were going to uh, focus on in the very near future to drive uh, reform. Uh, but we did, at that meeting, uh, acknowledge that we needed to be ready... Uh, to deal with emerging issues. Uh, and little did we know how big an emerging issue was uh, right before us. So we went from a tempo of monthly meetings, uh, then we pretty quickly thought, no, we better meet weekly. Then we meant to twice weekly. We are currently meeting every day at 9.30. Uh, several of those meetings go for several hours. Uh, and um, we're in really dire circumstances. It's a terrible uh, situation that the country is in. But I have to say, the experience of working on this committee, the experience of the way that everyone has come together, 
to seek to um, come to common positions on the way that we respond ha has been you know, somewhat pleasant. Uh, it's been a, a fantastic experience. Yeah. Uh, every member of the committee has been uh, quite extraordinary in the way that they've um, approached uh, the proposition of trying to uh, have a shared approach and really start to operate in that one APS way that we've talked about that you know, frankly, probably haven't landed as well as we should have in the past. So um, it's been a, a, a good experience so far, um, pretty um, pretty rigorous and, and, you know, we have to... We spend a lot of time working through uh, a range of issues, um, but very much trying to um, reach common ground in the way that we approach things. Mm. And I, I might just, add, yeah. I just pop in on that yeah. because one of the, sort of the main themes that came out of the 30 review were the need for much more joined-up public service, so the idea of one APS, and also focus on, on the needs of Australians and the service we provide to them. And what this crisis is doing is actually driving that, that, th those reforms in a very real and practical way. And uh, I actually think the reform process, even though it's not being openly discussed and we're not going into sort of lengthy papers and working out how we need to do this, it's actually happening in practice. Yeah. And that is actually, I think, uh, uh, in what is a, what, are, what are very grim times, is is going to be very beneficial uh, in the future. So before I come back, I'm, I'm I'm interested in this this chief operating officer committee, given that the meetings are so long and they are happening every day. But from the secretary's board point of view at the moment, what is your expectation of the, or what is the expectation of the secretary's board that Catherine and, and her committee will deliver for the secretary's board? Well, what they're doing is they're working on the essentially on, on the workforce. Uh, how, how is the workforce positioned to be able to deliver what's needed in terms of services and advice to the Australian people? So this is this movement of people around the APS that, that, to, that, to, to that, the greatest that, need. But that's part of it. But there are many other things they're dealing with as well in terms of uh, of leave arrangements or how you handle the health aspects and social distancing. How, how the system actually works to deliver is what, is what they're focused on. And they're working very closely with the Australian Public Service Commission and they're working um, very closely with the Workforce Task Force, which has been set up around redeploying people uh, in the system. And uh, Catherine um, actually, during um, often on Secretary's board meetings, will, will report as the chair of the subcommittee to them about developments. Yeah. But they've all got they've all got their representatives on the coup committee anyway yes. as their senior deputies, so they know exactly what's going on. Yeah. So Catherine, that as you say, meeting every day, agendas, several you know, several hours worth of discussion. There must be so much to talk about. And, and I'd, I'd love to know the diversity of all of those issues that, you know, well, some of the issues that, you, that you're talking about. Um, well, I mean, I, Peter has alluded to them, and I should clarify. So two days a week we do two hours. The rest of the time uh, it's a half-hour check-in on the other days. Okay. If we were in uh, ten hours of meetings every day, we wouldn't actually be able to <laughs> deliver on the things that we're supposed to be doing in our own organisations. But... Um, it, look, the, the diversity of the issues that have come up uh, through the course of the last month, um, it, they cover every aspect of the way that we run our organisations. So it is about trying to find common approaches around 
leave arrangements about what we're doing within our own organisations to make the workplace safe, um, to think about how we are communicating with our staff uh, and ensuring that we're addressing issues around um, you know, providing the appropriate support around you know, um, staying connected, uh, how we deal with issues like the mental health impacts uh, of COVID-19 and, and uh, how, it, how it's affecting all of us in our personal lives. Um, uh, this, there's a multitude of other issues. You know, we talk about um, how, you know, given we're in this environment, um, things that are normally the the, the um, signposts or the, the things that uh, uh, govern the cycle of government, uh, such as the budget, which has now been moved yeah. to October, um, parliaments not sitting or sitting for very short periods to pass key, key bits of legislation associated with the stimulus. Um, the type of rhythm of our work has changed dramatically as a consequence of this event. So we all work through a lot of the issues associated with that. Now, there are quite a few task forces set up in each of the departments. So once it leaves the Chief Operating Officer Committee, it then goes back into each of the individual de departments who then carry out the instructions. Is, is that pretty much how it works? It, it is. One of the things we were very conscious of right from the very start was uh, the fact that we couldn't be uh, um, a little bubble where we were, you know, thinking about lots of issues and trying to come to common positions uh, but not being able to communicate that out. So firstly, we feel we're very um, uh, focused on ensuring that for each department uh, they have a portfolio and there's a range of agencies that are within those portfolios. So it's our responsibility to ensure that any um, decisions or information or um, po uh, policies that that are established through the committee are disseminated to all agencies across government. Um, but we also develop um, uh, communication material that can be used within each department uh, so that uh, everyone across the public service can get the same level of information about the issues that we're dealing with. So that's been um, something that was um, a focus for us right from the very beginning, was to have those communication materials well developed. Mm. Peter's point before I thought was an interesting one where he's saying that the, the crisis has accelerated, you know, some of the change and the reform and the improvement. Would you, would you agree with that? Oh, very, very much so. Um, and I, I think the, the point that Peter made um, is, is really, really true, that um, if we're in normal circumstances, we probably... Um, a lot of these changes to our operating model, these changes to the way that we're working within our organisations, um, we would have put them through a lot of process. We would have thought about them a lot. We would have uh, ha had to do uh, a lot of bureaucracy uh, to achieve a small amount of change. Um, the circumstances have enabled us to have really significant shifts. Uh, I, I think, I really do think we're seeing some of the biggest step changes in the way that we operate uh, in the last 30, 40 years. Uh, so it's happened because we've had to change. Mm. Which can only be a benefit to the Australian people, which is obviously the, you know, the ultimate purpose of, of, of the APS. Peter, um, do you have a story or an anecdote of, of, of perhaps some outstanding work that you've seen from someone or, a, a, you know, some sort of demonstration of this new capability over the last, you know, well, probably even back to the bushfires as well? Have you got, is, is there a story there that you would have that you could tell that would really bring to life that, that mission of, of APS? 
Yeah, I mean, so many areas have been doing some extraordinary things. I mean, if, if you talk about things that really you step back and say, that's an extraordinary piece of work, the ability of Treasury uh, and uh, uh, to pull together that package last week, um, the, uh, the, 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 um, the $130 billion package enabling yep. people to keep their jobs, which was going to get impact on 6 million uh, employees. That's an extraordinary uh, piece of work and quite revolutionary in its thinking. And to do that so quickly, you actually sit back. I mean, I wasn't involved. I had nothing to do with that. But you just sit back and you say, well, that's really quite, uh, quite something. Yep. But just the work you see on a consistent basis from... Um, from the health department in the way they just continue to deal with this crisis in, in an extraordinary way. Um, the way that Brendan Murphy and Carolyn Edwards, who was actually a deputy secretary in, in this area in Prime Minister and Cabinet, but out of health, went back to being acting secretary. The way they work together, the, the way they've reconfigured their department and the way they've managed the, um, uh, this issue. And obviously Greg Hunt himself is working extremely closely uh, in that environment. But that, that's just something in terms of a consistent yeah. pattern of work over now months is really uh, is really something. And in my own agency, it's a, a much smaller place. I mean, almost everyone in my agency is now doing things they weren't doing three months ago. And they're doing it willingly and they're doing it happily and they're working extremely hard and often, um, as I say, <laughs> at home and not necessarily in the best of conditions. Um, but it's, uh, I just think the whole public service has risen to this. And it's, to me, it's, it's just, it's what, we, it's what we do. It's what we're meant to do. And I just think it's been really impressive. Yeah, great. And Catherine, for you, is there a story, a moment, a point in time where you just sat back and went, wow, that was, that's pretty good, that's pretty special? Well, I'd, I'd back in behind Peter in terms of what he's um, already identified. But I think there's also a, a range of things that are happening in government now uh, that are really, really interesting about um, uh, trying to support innovation in business, uh, where businesses are uh, having to shift from, you know, those stories. They were wine producers and now they're producing hand sanitizer. And I think there's a hundred stories like that out there. Uh, and I think it's possibly one of the um, uh, understated aspects of the public service is how it works hand in glove with business and it's supporting business. Uh, and it does that in a, in a range of ways. Uh, and I, uh, you know, you hear stories of in the Department of Industry and others, uh, how their programs have had to sort of completely pivot to supporting that type of innovation. Uh, and it's fantastic. Uh, and it's, it's probably not the most well-publicised aspect of government, but it's a really important part. So just a final question, a, a wrap-up. Um, what, what's your message to, to the Australian public about the APS? What, what's, what do you want them to know at, the, at this time of crisis that the, the APS is delivering? I, for me, I think the, the key thing would be to know that uh, the APS, I think, uh, as a collective, uh, has... Uh, really accepted the responsibility that government has has given it in terms of uh, focusing all its um, considerable energies and efforts towards supporting the the, the health response and the economic stimulus. Uh, and uh, you know, when I see you know, graduates um, respond to being asked to redeploy from my department to the Department of um, to Services Australia. Uh, and the, their response to me is, well, it's an honour and 
we will do whatever we need to do to, to support the broader response. Um, it's very, very impressive. Uh, it's, uh, there's a, there is a real sense of uh, commitment and mission. And Peter, for you? Yeah, one of the things we've been wrestling with in, in terms of the Thody work about reform and the APS is the issue of trusted institutions and government. And what, what I hope is that the Australian people will, at the end of this, have a much better understanding of all the things that government does to keep Australians safe and, and, and prosperous. And in a crisis like this, which affects every single Australian, including those in, in the APS, that when we come out of this, uh, there'll be a real sense of confidence in, in the public service and the ability of, of the public service to rise and deliver on their behalf, and that we'll be able to have dealt with those, those, those trust issues in the institution. Fantastic. Well, that's uh, the purpose of Work With Purpose podcast is to actually over the next... Um, look, it was, I was only discussing this the other day or thinking about this the other day. This should go on forever, basically. This, you know, we do need to open up the lines of communication you can, so as that we do understand, so we can just understand the detail of how government is going about its work. So thank you so much for coming in and getting us kicked off on, on day one. To you, Peter Woolcott, and to you, Catherine Jones, thank you so much for coming in to be our first guests uh, on Work With Purpose. And to you, the audience, thank you for uh, coming along today. Uh, I think this will be a great podcast. I think we're all going to learn so much. And as Peter says, if, if that education, that knowledge can better understand how things are, uh, decisions are made, uh, I think we'll all be more confident in going through what is going to be um, a very, very rough and difficult time. So we do need to pull together, everybody, and uh, we do need to work together. And uh, certainly working in the APS, we will be working with purpose. So thanks to you, the audience, to coming along today. Thanks to Peter Walcott. Thanks to Catherine Jones. And I'll be back at the same time next week with our second guest, where the Secretary of the Department of Agriculture, Water and Environment, Andrew Metcalf, will be along to discuss what's going on in his world. But for the moment, it's bye for now. Work With Purpose is a production of Content Group in partnership with the Institute of Public Administration Australia and with the support of the Australian Public Service Commission. Thank you.